that. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 19. We're going to jump right into the Word tonight. Now listen, we're in this uh, series called Jesus Is. Now why are we doing a series called Jesus Is? Well, the reason we're doing a series called Jesus Is is that there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about Jesus. Some people, some people have positive opinions about Jesus, some people have negative opinions about Jesus, and some people just have indifferent opinions about Jesus. And so when we begin to talk about this, what I've realized and what I've recognized is I've studied through the scripture that it matters what you believe about who Jesus is. See, some people think that Jesus is a prophet, some people think that Jesus is a teacher, some people think that Jesus is my homeboy. Y'all seen the Jesus of Homeboy t-shirts? Yeah. And uh, some people think all these things about Jesus, and the Bible explains to us uh, who Jesus is. It tells us all about who Jesus is. In fact, there's a story in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus even asked the disciples, he says, hey, who do they say that I am? This is an important question. The disciples respond, they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked them this question. He says, who do you say that I am? See, I think that this question in Scripture in Matthew chapter 16 isn't just for the disciples, but it's for us as well. Who do you say that I am? That who you say Jesus is is a big deal and it matters. And Peter responds. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, this was not revealed to you by man, but this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And on this rock I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, Jesus goes on praising Peter because Peter made the right assumption. Peter understood the truth that Jesus was the Christ. Christ, the son of the living God, that what you believe about Jesus matters. And so tonight I want to tackle something that I think is probably one of the most cliche sayings about Jesus, but is probably one of the most confusing things about Jesus. It confuses us today, it confuses us as Christians, and it confused people back in the day of Jesus. And that is the truth that Jesus is my friend. Now, that sounds kind of corny, like, oh, Jesus is my friend. How is that confusing? This is why it's confusing. It's confusing because Jesus offers his friendship to us no matter our story, no matter our circumstances, no matter our our background, no matter what we've done or what we do. He offers his friendship to us. I mean, this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of the grace that Jesus showed. This is why Jesus was so countercultural to his day. Because the religious people could not understand how he could befriend people who were notorious sinners. And this is what I know. Some of you are in this room and you say, well, there is no way that Jesus would be my friend. See, Derek, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I do. Christians don't even want to be my friend, let alone Jesus be my friend. I mean, if Jesus were to come in here tonight and invite somebody to hang out with them and have dinner with them, I would not be the person on the top of his list that he chose in this room. In fact, if you were to take a list of the top sinners in this room, the top ten list, I would be in the top of that bunch, if not at the top of that bunch. There is no way Jesus would invite me into that. And let me tell you something. That may be your story, and that may be who you are, but you are exactly, you are exactly who he would ask to hang out with. You are exactly the person that he would invite to dinner. 
And we see this in Scripture in Luke chapter 19. Let's read the story. It's the story of a man named Zacchaeus. The Scripture's going to be up on the screen here so you can kind of check it out. And, uh, and so let's get after it. Starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He was curious, wanted to know who Jesus was. This is really important. Remember that. We're trying to discover through this series who he is. He wanted to know who Jesus, who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming his way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this. Notice their response. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. He goes on. He says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to, said, um, said to the Lord, Lord, Lord. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. And then Jesus responds to Zacchaeus and he says this. Today salvation has come to your house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came, listen, to seek and save that which was lost. Let me, let me give you a little, little snapshot in this story. And we'll start out right there at the beginning. Notice what he says. He says, Jesus entered Jericho and uh, passing through. And there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. I want to point out six observations from the story. We're going to walk through verse by verse. And I'm going to show you six observations from this story that I think will challenge you at the core of who you are. Because it challenges me every time I read a story like this. The first observation is this. Zacchaeus was a notorious sinner. If you got your notes, you can take notes. Zacchaeus was a notorious sinner. Notice what it says. It says he was a chief tax collector. Let me explain just for a minute what tax collectors were. Tax collectors were the Jewish people, the people uh, of Israel that lived in that area. And basically, they had been a traitor to their own people and began to work for the Roman government who was in power oppressing these people. It would be like if like, Canada came down and took over the United States. That would never happen. But let's just pretend. And, uh, and it would be like if Canada came down and took over the United States. And, 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 then, and then your best friend said, you know what? I'm going to work for Canada. And I'm going to take money from all the people in my community and all my friends at, my, at the school as taxes to give back to Canada. So these people were traitors to their own people. They were hated because of that. Not only that, but they were super wealthy. And the scripture tells us here that Zacchaeus was wealthy. Why were they wealthy? Let me tell you why they were wealthy. Because the Roman government did not pay tax collectors. The Roman government told the tax collectors that when you go and collect taxes from the people, you know that each person owes this amount. You can charge them whatever you want over that amount, and that amount will be your salary. Can you imagine if you had the power to determine how much money you were going to make every single year? We would all be rich. 
And that's exactly what tax collectors did. So they would go to somebody's house and they would say, hey man, um, you, you owe $10 to the Roman government, but you're going to give me 30 and 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 then they may come back tomorrow and say, hey, you know what? I really want to go on vacation. I want to buy a new car. There's a new shirt that I, wanna, that I like. So, hey man, you actually owe me 70 today. Hold on a second. I paid you 30 yesterday. Why do I owe you 70 today? Pay up. I don't want to pay up. Fine, we'll take you to jail. That's how it worked. These people were hated. They got wealthy off of the hard work of the people in their community. Zacchaeus was the scum of the earth. He was a notorious sinner in this community. No one liked him. He cheated people out of money and he was good at it because the Bible tells us here that he was a chief tax collector. And so in other words, he had other tax collectors that worked in different communities underneath his authority. So he had been doing this for a long time. He was a punk. He was a notorious sinner. But the second thing you see in this story is, is that, is that notorious sinners are attracted to Jesus. Notorious sinners are attracted to Jesus. Notice this. He says he wanted to see who Jesus was. There was a curiosity about him. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran, he climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming his way. So here's this guy. I want you to picture the scene. Here's this guy. He's a short guy. He's vertically challenged. Any vertically challenged people in the house? You know what I'm saying? Yes. I love you people. Um, my wife is 5'2". She's vertically challenged. And you know, there's challenges to being a vertically challenged person, right? Like when you go to a concert... Like, my wife and I go to a concert, and dude, there could be one six foot eight dude in the room, and he will be standing in front of us. You know what I'm saying? And my wife's like, and I'm like, you know, we can't, you can't see around. Has that ever happened to you, man? You always get behind, like, the tall guy, and you're like, are you kidding me right now? And, uh, and, so, and so this was a situation with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was in the back of the crowd. He couldn't see Jesus. He couldn't get up front. And listen, no one was going to let him weasel his way through the crowd. They couldn't stand him. You ever been that way? You ever been in a concert, and everybody's crowded up, and you always got those people that get there late, and they try to, like, cut up in front of everybody, weave their way through the crowd? You know those people? And so what do you do? You, like, stand there all hard? You know, they come up and you're like, you're being a hard and you just look, give them a little look over your shoulder like, bro, you ain't getting through here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might try. I'm going to take your arms and beat you to death with them. You ain't getting through here. I'm just going to tell you right now. I've been standing here for 30 minutes. My legs are hurting. You know what I'm saying? My wife's short. If you get in front of us, she ain't going to be able to see. You ain't getting by here. And, and so this is what was happening with Zacchaeus. He could not see around the crowd to see Jesus, but he was curious. He wanted to see Jesus. And so what did he do? He got a little innovative. He got a little creative. He sees a sycamore tree. Now, if you don't know what a sycamore tree is, I got a picture of one. We'll pop it up on the screen. That's a sycamore tree. <laughs> that's, a, that's an awesome tree to climb up in, I'm telling you. If I had a tree house, it would be in that tree. And so sycamore fig tree climbs up in the sycamore fig tree so that he could see Jesus. He wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. Maybe Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. The crowds were following Jesus. Maybe the name of Jesus has been spreading through each community up to this point because every place Jesus would go, crowds were around him notorious sinners were attracted to Jesus listen Christian if you are supposed to be Christ-like are notorious sinners attracted to you and what happens is is that he was curious and what I found is is that people that are that are spiritually unresolved people that are far from God what I found is is that they are curious about Jesus they're curious about him 
They want to know the truth. There's something within them that wants to engage the conversation. You say, not my friends. No, 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 your friends. The problem is, is that you don't know the word and you don't know how to answer their questions. You don't know how to defend your faith because you never study. You never get into it. You don't know why you believe any, what you believe anyway. And so when they talk to you, you can't answer any questions from them. And he's curious. I was uh, hanging out with a couple buddies one night, about five of my friends, and it was one of them's birthday, and they wanted to go to this bar. So I'm like, yep, I guess I'll be the DD. And so <laughs> we get in the car, and we head over to this bar that they wanted to go to, and I just want to hang out with my buddies. None of them are Christians. We get to this bar, and we sit down at the bar, and it's like all six of us just like, doo, 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 just lined up in this bar. This female bartender comes up. She starts on the other end, and she asks, you know, what do you want to drink? Well, I want a shot of this and this, and I want this beer, and I want this whatever. And they go all the way down to the line, and they get to me. And the bartender says, what do you want? I said, I want a water. She says, a water? That's lame. I was like, dude, I'm so lame. And she, and she, and, you know, and she laughed, and then, uh, and then uh, I said, yeah, just a water. And she's like, oh, come on, let me, let me get you something else. And my buddy beside me goes, hey, hey, bartender. He's a Christian. Leave him alone. And uh, she says, okay. So she pours me water, puts it down in front of me. She walks away. Seriously, like five minutes later, she walks back over to me. She, she, puts her, she, she stands right in front of me. She puts her hand down on the bar. She leans up, and she looks me dead in the eye, and she says, okay, I'm curious. What does that mean? What does it mean that you're a Christian? What is that? Like, what, what, is, what, what is the deal here? I said, well, I'll tell you what it means. And so I started talking to her about Jesus. Dude, she stood in front of me for like half an hour. People at the other end of the bar like, hey, lady, I need a drink filled up over here. I need a drink filled up. And she would be like, hold on one second. She'd go down here and she'd fill up the drink. She'd come back. Tell me more. We talked for about an hour and a half at the bar. She says, listen, my roommate needs to hear this. She says, will you come up here tomorrow night? I said, yeah, no problem. Next night, I drove up there. I walk in. Place is packed. I walk in. She sees me walk in the door. She comes down. The bartender walks all the way down. She says, hey, come over here. Come over here. She pulled, t- walks me over to her friend and her friend's friend. And she says, here's my friend I wanted you to meet. And so the girl looks at me dead in the eye. And she goes, so you're the Christian guy she's been telling me about, huh? <laughs> yeah, guilty, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and she starts asking me questions. She says, well, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in that. Well, why not? What's your evidence for not believing that it's true? She didn't have any. I said, why don't you let me give you some evidence for why it is true? And then we started having the conversation. We talked for about three hours. See, what I found is people that are far from God are curious. They're curious. But if I was like, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to go in a place like that. I'm not going to go in a bar. I'm not going to talk to a bartender. I'm not going to sit at a bar. Like, we would have never had that conversation. People are curious that are far from God. And people who are far from God are attracted to Jesus. Notorious sinners are attracted to Jesus. The third observation is this. Jesus picks him out of the crowd. Notice Jesus picks Zacchaeus out of the crowd. I mean, there were so many people following Jesus. The crowd was so great that Zacchaeus couldn't get to him. Jesus could have picked any person in the crowd. And Jesus stops, he looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down here. 
He calls him by name. Now, how did Jesus know his name? I don't know how Jesus knew his name. Maybe that Jesus, as he had come into this town, had already heard about Zacchaeus, this notorious sinner. Maybe people had already been talking about to Jesus about rebuking him, about telling him all the things that, that he needs to tell Zacchaeus to stop doing. And so as Jesus makes his way through, he stops at the tree, he sees Jack, Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm going to your house today. Jesus picks him out. Jesus, of everybody in the crowd, Jesus says, you're the person I want to hang out with, you're the person I want to have dinner with. Jesus picks him out of the crowd. And I love that about Jesus, that Jesus would go to the notorious sinner and pick him out of the crowd. Not only does Jesus pick him out of the crowd... But Jesus didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care about how people were going to view him or think of him because he was reaching out to someone who was far from God. Maybe someone who didn't have it all together. Someone who was considered the scum of society. In fact, we see a little later, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes, that the crowd didn't like the fact that Jesus picked out Zacchaeus in the crowd. They were pretty ticked off about it. He's a sinner. Why are you picking him out? See, I think this is the truth. The truth is, is that Jesus chose to be friends with people not because that they could advantage or benefit him, but because he loved people. And this is what I know. I have the tendency to, and we all have the tendency to, pick people that we are going to be friends with based on how they can advantage us, not based on how we can love them and care for him and share kindness to them. You know what I'm saying? Like there's that nerdy, smelly guy down your street, but you hang out with him because he has an awesome pool and a hot sister. You know what I'm saying? Like he can advantage you in some way. Or listen, we make people earn our friendships. Like, well, if you treat me this way and you act this way and you talk to me this way and you do this and you do this and you do this, or maybe it's a status thing that, well, if I can be friends with this person and that can etch me up just a little higher on the popularity ladder or whatever, or maybe this person has a lot of money and if I can get in with them, maybe I can get a little extra change on the side or something like that, or maybe they'll cover my dinner or maybe they'll buy me a cool Christmas present or whatever it happens to be. What happens is, is that many times we build friendships with people based on how they can advantage us. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want to be your friend. I want to be Zacchaeus' friend, not by how you can advantage me, because here's the deal. You have done nothing to advantage Jesus. I want to do it because I love you, because I care about you, because I call you friend. Because I call you friend. And I'm inviting you into this intimate, deep, close friendship relationship with me and it's not about how you can advantage me man that's a challenge for all of us in our friendships and relationships with other people and how we look at those relationships making sure that when we're picking friendships when we're reaching out to people and listen there are people in your world in your sphere of influence that you have set aside that you have overlooked that you have stepped over because they can't advantage you in some way or you are afraid that your reputation may be marked if you were to hang out with those people. And I'm here to tell you, Christian, that's not what Jesus would have done. 
That is the person or the people that we see Jesus reaching out to the most. See, this is why this concept is so confusing. It confused the people of this day and it confuses us even today. You know how many times in church I have heard the statement, Hey, listen, you need to get rid of all your bad friends. You need to get rid of all the people in your life that bring you down. You need to get rid of all of the sinners in your life and all the people that do all the bad stuff. Really, is that what Jesus did? No, that is not what Jesus did. But what Jesus did is Jesus set the terms for the friendship. Jesus set the terms for the friendship. Jesus said this. Jesus said, we're going to your house. We're going to have dinner at your house. Jesus set the terms. Let me explain it to you like this. Find my marker. Jesus set the terms. See, the reality is, is that you shouldn't get rid of all of your friends who don't know God, who are bad influenced and all this kind of stuff. People are like, don't hang out with that. You shouldn't get rid of those people. You just need to know what circle they are in. See, there's an inner circle and there's an outer circle. The inner circle is, is the group of people that are godly friends, that are good friends, the people that encourage you, the people that you can let your guard down around and know that they are going to care for you in the right way. These are those kind of friends. These are the people that are influencing you. And then you have the outer circle of friends. The outer circle of friends are the people that you are influencing These are not the people that are influencing you. These are the people that you are influencing. These are the people that you are pouring into and loving and caring for. You don't stop being friends with those people. You just have to know what circle they're in. See, here's the problem. The problem is is that some of you in this room have friends in your inner circle that need to be on the outer circle. They're influencing you and your guard is down with them, but your guard shouldn't be down with them. And they're dragging you down and they're pulling you into things that you shouldn't be pulled into. The problem isn't that you need to stop being friends with them. The problem is is that you need to define the terms in the relationship. Because the people in the outer circle, you define the terms with. You set the boundaries. You are influencing them. And that's what Jesus did in this circumstance, in this situation. Equally true, some of you are in here and you only have friends in the inner circle. You only have Christian friends and people that can encourage you and people that you can have your guard down with. But you're not influencing anyone in your life. You have no friends that are far from God. No one that you are influencing outside of the circle. No Zacchaeuses in your life that you have gotten so comfortable in your little Christian cul-de-sac community of friends that you have lost all influence with people outside of the church, people who are outside of the kingdom of of God. And that is a problem. In fact, you see in verse 10 in this passage, Jesus tells us his mission and the reason that he didn't pick all the other people in the crowd, but the reason that he picked Zacchaeus up in that little tree, that's my tree. The reason he picked Zacchaeus up in that little tree is because his mission is to seek and save that which is lost. And if you call yourself a Christian, that should be your mission. That should be your mission too. See, Christian means little Christ. Your mission should be the same as that of Christ if we call ourselves Christian. The problem isn't, the problem is knowing which circle to have your friends in. And Jesus knew, so Jesus defines the terms in these friendships and these relationships. Now Jesus picks Zacchaeus out of the crowd, but let me tell you something, the crowd didn't like it. And you can understand why the crowd didn't like it. Zacchaeus was this notorious sinner. Notice what he says right here. It says, and all the people, verse 7, saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest 
of a sinner. When you really get into the Greek language here, I mean, this is like, there is disgust in the air of the people that are around this group. And Jesus doesn't care. Jesus goes right after it. See, it's hard for these people to, to understand why Jesus would love someone that they thought should be punished. When I talk to people who are spiritually unresolved, people who are far from God, the common thing that I hear from them is this. The reason they don't go to church, the reason they don't want anything to do with Christianity is not because of Jesus. They don't hate Jesus. They just don't understand why the followers of Jesus are so judgmental and condemning. I was wearing my everybody shirt, my church is for everybody shirt, and my wife and I went into Waffle House. Love some Waffle House. Yeah, give it up for Waffle House. My wife and I went into Waffle House on Sunday night, and uh, we're chilling in Waffle House, and the, and, the, and, the, and the lady behind the thing that was our waitress, she comes out, and she sees our shirt, and she goes, oh my goodness, I love that shirt so much. She says, let me tell you a story. She says, I went to, I had this lady that I, was, that I was working with at my other job, and she invited me to come to her church, and so I was so excited about it because I hadn't been to church in years, and, 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 and right before, I, you know, I went to the church, and, and I was talking to her about some of the issues and stuff that I have in my life and some of the struggles and stuff that I have, and she looked at me and says, mm, our church is probably not for you. What? Your church probably wouldn't be for Jesus either. See, our church is for everybody. This place is for everybody. I don't care what you've been through in your life. I don't care the garbage, junk, whatever you think. Let me tell you something. You belong here. You belong here. I like this. Kevin Queen, uh, one of the pastors, uh, was speaking a little while back, and he actually used the word behave. I'm going to change that word, but, but, um, but he said this, and this is so good. He says, what religious people do is, religious people say that you have to become like us, or his word was behave like us. You have to behave like us and believe like us. Then you can belong to us. You become or behave like us, and then if you believe like us, then you belong to us. And Jesus flipped it around. Jesus says, no, 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 Zacchaeus, you belong. You belong. I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care if you think you're a notorious sinner. You belong. You belong. And because you belong and because Jesus showed him kindness and love and because he shows us kindness and love, that if you spend time with me and you hear a little bit about his love and grace and you want to know because you're curious and we start sharing, then the Holy Spirit of God is going to work on your life and you are going to begin to believe. And then once you give your life to Christ and you surrender him and you believe, then what happens is that the Spirit of God begins to work in you and begins to shape you more into who the image of Christ is and then you become like him. It's the other way around. See, Jesus says, nah, man, it doesn't matter what you've done. You belong. And if you, and if, and if, and if you come into this, then eventually you're going to believe. And then if you believe, then, then eventually you're going to become like me. See, the religious got it all wrong. See, the, peop- the religious of Jesus' day were the most ruthless. They were the ones that were putting massive burdens on the people to carry, but they weren't lifting a finger for themselves. See, they thought that their distance from sinners made them holy. 
And Jesus comes on the scene and explodes that that entire idea. In fact, uh, Judah Smith says this. He says, The Pharisees, who were the religious elite, the top of the top of the religious, the Pharisees imposed judgment without mercy, punishment without love, and criticism without understanding. In the name of hating sin, the Pharisees ended up hating sinners. Perhaps worst of all, they concluded that their distance from sinners is what made them holy. See, they thought, I'm mostly good. And since I'm mostly good, I can look down on the mostly bad. And if I was to take a poll of this room and I was to say, do you think you're mostly good or mostly bad? Most of you would put yourself in the mostly good category. But the reality is, the Bible tells we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then none of us are good. And that Jesus didn't choose to be our friend because we are good. He chose to be our friend because he loved us. See, think about this for a minute. Jesus chooses Zacchaeus out of the crowd, and he is not saved yet. It is not until like verse 9 when Jesus says, salvation has come to you. He's not a Christian yet. He's not believed in Jesus yet. He hasn't, he's done nothing to turn things around yet in his life. His life hasn't been changed yet. Yet, yet Jesus calls him friend. Jesus calls him into this relationship. It's so important to get that. That Jesus wants a relationship with you. He's not up there judging you and condemning you. In fact, in John 3, 16, when, he says, for God, when the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The verse is most quoted by Christians. But the verse right after that says, And Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And we hear this again in Luke t- uh, verse 19, verse 10, where he says, to seek and save that which is lost. And the sixth observation from this is this. Jesus was a friend to sinners, and that changes us. He was a friend to sinners, and that changes us. That changes us. Look at, look at his response. Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I pay them four times the amount. That because of Jesus' friendship, because Jesus says you belong, that because Jesus called him in, because Jesus went and had dinner with him, because Jesus had this relationship, this changes Zacchaeus' life. And now he's saying, listen, if I have cheated anyone, which he has cheated most people, I will give all that money back. I'll give my money to the poor. My wealth is nothing to me compared to your salvation. Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to right my wrongs because I love you and I see your love for me and I call you Lord. See, Jesus is a friend of sinners and that changes us. That changes us. And I, I don't know what you've done in your life, and I don't know what you do in your life. But maybe you don't think there's any way in the world that God could change you. I think of Paul. Paul is a guy in the Bible. Acts, the book of Acts, tells the story of his life. He's going around killing Christians for a living. He went to spread his persecution to kill Christians, and Jesus shows up, blinds Paul on the road to Damascus as he's going to spread his persecution. And Jesus says to him in his resurrection, why are you persecuting me? Paul ends up giving his life to Jesus. His life is radically changed. 
He goes on three missionary journeys, evangelizes the whole known world of his day. He writes about half of the New Testament that we have today. He is considered probably the greatest Christian and greatest missionary that has ever walked the face of the earth. Yet, in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says this, I am the chief of all sinners. If there is a list of sinners from top to bottom, I am the chief of all sinners, of all the sinners in the world. I was killing Christians for God's sakes. My name would be at the top of that list. Yet look what he did for the kingdom of God. You know why I think that is? Not why I think that is. Why I believe that is and the Bible tells us is because people who have been through a lot in their life who have sinned a lot in their life, they understand grace on a different level and forgiveness on a different level than people who haven't. Like if you owed me a dollar and you owed me $25,000 and I said I forgive the debt, who's going to be the most happy? She will. Romans 5 tells us this. Romans 5 says, where sin increased Grace increased all the more. What then shall we do? Shall we sin so that grace increases? Not at all. Where, great, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. And when notorious sinners give their life to Jesus, you better watch out. Because those people do crazy things for Jesus. So let me wrap it up. I think this message is for a couple people in the room. I think first is for those people in here who don't know Jesus. And as you've been trying to discover who Jesus is, maybe this is the first time you've ever been anything like this, maybe your perception of Christianity and who Jesus is has everything to do with that Jesus is judgmental, condemning, and that you can never belong to his kingdom. And you couldn't be further from the truth. And I want you to know that he invites you into his love. And he invites you into his forgiveness and he invites you into his grace. No matter what you've done, he cares for you deeply. That if he were to walk in this room and pick one person out to have dinner with and to go to their house, it would be you. It would be you. And the second part of this message is for the Christian that's in the room. Christians, we have got to stop being so judgmental and condemning. We have got to lead with love, grace, and kindness. We have got to stop making other people think that we are better than them. We've got to stop. Because we're not. The mere admission of calling yourself a Christian is saying that my life is broken and I need God. There's nothing that pushes people further away from God than judgmental, condemning Christians. And I would submit to you that if you have a relationship with Christ, that you will love people in the way that he loved people. There's this interesting story about this missionary who went to Mahatma Gandhi. And he says to Mahatma Gandhi, you talk a lot about Jesus' teachings. Why do you not follow him? Mahatma Gandhi says, I love the teachings of Jesus. In fact, I love Christ himself. But 
I don't, I don't like his followers. And his followers are so unlike him. His followers are so unlike him. So listen, I think we as the church, we need to be the leaders in grace. We need to be the leaders in kindness. How many people in your life would you consider that you are friends with, that you were trying to reach out to and influence? How many people are in this circle? If nobody, that's a problem, and you need to do some business with God. And I think there's another group. Some of you are in this room, and you are Christian. But you've been struggling. And the reason you're struggling is because you don't know what circle to keep your friends in. And the problem is all the wrong people are in this circle and all the right people are in this circle. You're influencing people who are far from God. You're influencing them people, those people away from God. And the people who are far from God are in your inner circle and they're influencing you. And you got to be careful. Because your friends are the most influential people in your life, studies show. And so some of you need to do business with God, and you need to figure out and rearrange how you operate your friendships. And let me take it a step further. I'm not just talking about friendships like the friends and BFFs and stuff you have at school. I'm talking about your relationships as well. Any person that speaks influence in your life is in this inner circle. In other words, if you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend who is in this inner circle, who is influencing you, but they don't have their relationship right with God. They're pressuring you to do things that you shouldn't be doing as a believer in Jesus. And you think you're going to change them? You're not. Only God can change them. And you need to move them out of that inner circle. You can influence them, but they can't influence you. So tonight, we're going to close out right now just with a time of prayer and worship. And the band's going to come up. And close this out in a song. And as they come up, man, I just want to pray for you. And I want to ask you to do business with God. And as we talk about the character of Christ and who he is and this Jesus is series, man, I want you to get a good grasp of who Jesus truly is. That he loves you, that he cares for you, that he calls you friend. And that that then changes the way that we treat other people and the way that we call them friend. So, Father, I just want to pray for these students right now. God, I know that there are so many different things that can be said and be pointed out from tonight. God, I know that each student in this room is at a different place in their journey with you. But God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are at. That you would speak your truth and love in their life. God, that they would let your word be their guide. Not culture, not their friendships, not relationships your word and your spirit father i just pray for the person in this room who thinks man there's no way that god can forgive me there's no way that jesus would befriend me god i pray that tonight that you showed them that they are exactly the person that you want that you come to seek and save them that you are pursuing them with your your unfailing love so that they may know you so that their life may be changed by you God, I pray, Lord, for the Christian in this room who needs to repent and turn to you because they've been judgmental. They've been pointing out all of the things that the people in their lives are doing that is sinful, and they're so good at gossiping about 
other people's sin, that they don't realize the sin that they have in themselves. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would break them from that tonight. God, that they would turn that into love. And that they would reach into these lives of these people and that their lives would be changed. And Father, for every student in here who has a friend that's in that inner circle that needs to be in the outer circle, God, I pray that you would give them strength and wisdom on how to navigate that. That it's not that they stop being their friends, it's just that they define the terms for the relationship. That they set the boundaries. That they have to keep their guard up a little bit when they're in those, those times. And God, for the Christian that's in this room that has no one in their outer circle, that the only friends that they have in their life are Christians and they're not seeking and saving anyone who's lost, that you would give them boldness to reach outside of their circle, to reach out to the Zacchaeuses in their school, the Zacchaeuses on their sports teams, the Zacchaeuses in their band, the Zacchaeuses that are in every area of their life. And God, watch how as they show them that they belong, Watch how you change them. So God, tonight, move in our hearts. May we do business with you in this time of worship. For this is why we came here. In Jesus' name, amen.